Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Prep to Pivot season 2 where we explore different aspects of making pivots in careers with expert guests from academia to industry veterans across banking, retail, hospitality to diplomats and research faculty from top business schools around the world. Today as an expert guest we have with us Professor Krishnamurthy Subramanyam, Executive Director International Monetary Fund. He is an Indian economist who served as the 17th Chief Economic Advisor to the Government of India. Professor Subramanyam is a leading expert on economic policy, banking and corporate governance and is a professor of finance at the Indian School of Business. So thank you so much for coming to the uh, to our platform today and uh, we're very excited to hear all about your insights and experiences. So now that we've understood your career path so far, I'd like to start by understanding a little why did you choose to pivot into academia and research? <laughs> so I think this will be a little long answer, but um, a series of, I would say, fortuitous accidents. Um, so firstly, when I graduated from, from IIT, when I went to IIT, I did that only because um, I was good at mathematics and uh, Therefore, you know, like everybody else, I went into engineering, um, little realizing what electrical engineering really was. Um, so happened to go into electrical engineering, then found out that I was not that interested in it. Um, and at that time, then I was, um, you know, a professor of mathematics. I was in fact planning on doing a, a, a PhD in mathematics. Um, and the professor recommended that I may be better off doing applied mathematics. Um, he, f he felt that I had very good communication skills and which will get, um, you know, not utilized as well, you know, in mathematics and just pure mathematics. And so uh, he recommended that. So that's how I went into to do an MBA. Um, when I was doing my MBA, I sort of had my first inkling, you know, um, and at that time, uh, one of the professors of statistics um, started sort of suggesting to me that I'd uh, do better as an academic. Okay. So um, he, I mean, in his words, he said, my talent will get wasted in the corporate sector. Mm. Uh, that was now, I think, I don't know whether he, he meant it or not, but <laughs> at that time it did seem very flattering to hear that. Um, and, um, and and then you know I was not quite sure at that time whether I actually really was um, interested in in actual research. Okay. Uh, so this is I'm talking about my second year of my MBA program at IIM Calcutta. Okay. Um, I did find out that I you know uh, that I was a good teacher because we used to have you know second year students used to be appointed as teaching assistants right. and um, so as a stats tutor I had the you know the quite a flattering experience of uh, of the 10 tutors by the second you know tutorial class all the other nine coming into my class and i was given a classroom basically much like a professor would be given so so that was validation that i think i i would do well as a teacher mm -hmm. but i still wanted to know whether i you know had the interest in in research and that is why i chose to go into ICI says derivatives research okay. um, and then for after a couple of years I chose to go into a PhD so uh, I think there's one thread that has sort of contributed to some extent to these fortuitous accidents which is that um, I was clear that I did not want to 
you know, uh, live life just for myself. Okay. That part I was very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, that oh, I want to have a good career for myself. I want to make a name for myself. I want to make money for myself. I want to, you know, the I me myself phenomenon. Actually, I, um, you know, from a young young age, I've been less subject to it. Okay. Um, and uh, I genuinely have derived satisfaction from you know being useful to others, and and that's sort of in my in in maybe in my utility function, and it gives me a lot of lot of satisfaction. So. That's where academia, you know, felt like uh, a, a good, good outlet. Um, and um, I, I do tend to be, you know, very prudish in terms of, you know, ethics and, you know, um, so I think uh, maybe, maybe some of the sharp practices that I'd heard about in the corporate sector mm-hmm. uh, possibly, you know, drove the prude in me about these things away. Um, academia in contrast actually is, you know, I mean, if you can be very, very pure. You can make your money without having to do anything hanky-panky whatsoever. Um, so I think the combination of uh, um, this, and at the same time, I think finally when I started, I, I realized that um, I I don't like taking directions. You know, I don't like having a boss. Okay. Um, you know, I I am too too independent-minded to be you know to be just told to do something and right. then go and do it. Um, I think and and one of the things I sort of which was a good signal was that even when I was working with uh, with ICICI, you know, the, in the derivatives research group, and and I had fantastic bosses. You know, this is not a complaint against them at all. Right. This this is my own problem. That but Sunday evening I used I would always be in a bad mood because Monday's because coming. Monday you know Monday was coming up and that I had to go to work. Right. Um, in contrast, after I started my PhD program, I've actually not gone to work at all. I've just been having fun. Oh, that explains it. So uh, basically on that note of, you know, that the fact that you find research fun, what is it about uh, research that excites you the most? So I think the, um, there, there, there are a combination of factors. One, it really gives, a, you know, a vehicle for my curiosity. Okay. I am an intrinsically very, very curious person. Um, for instance, you know, I mean, when I was young, I have done things like, uh, to check the temperature of fire, mm-hmm. I actually took a, took you know matchstick, a light you know burning matchstick to a thermometer, and okay. uh, and it and it you know yeah. we used to have only mercury thermometers right. at that time, and it 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 burnt and you know so uh, I have and and to check whether how much you know power a, a, a fuse can take, um, I've put like wraps, lots of wires, you know, and and the entire you know, colony's power went you know. <laughs> So, it, it, I mean, some of these sort of uh, destructive ways of expressing my curiosity I've had um, from, from, from a young age. Um, I, I think, I, you know, research was, was a very constructive way to, you know, to channel my curiosity. Um, that's, that, that, was, that was one. Um, second, um, I really love deep thinking. You know, okay. I, I, I don't like doing superfluous stuff. Um, and I'm not too enamored by people as well who actually do superfluous stuff. Okay. Um, in 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 academia, especially doing research, um, not only do you get to do super, you know, to, to do you know deep thinking, mm-hmm. you also have colleagues who themselves enjoy deep thinking. Right. Um, and um, 
there's there's less of psychophancy and you know non meritocratic things in academia in the times i worked in the corporate sector you know the people used to do things like keep looking at when the boss is going to smoke and you know going accompany him i had thorough disdain for you know for basically for for getting ahead you know mm-hmm. getting up getting career progression through i i really have just absolute disdain for for such stuff um so you know i think these kind of things are are not there in academia you know mm-hmm. it's um i mean it no profession is perfect right. but it's far 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 more of a meritocracy um than 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 others and i mean psychophancy cannot get you too far um and and those things also attract me a lot in 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 research right so i think what i'm understanding from what you said is that the very fact that research is something that was more meritocratic uh, yeah. is what attracted you to yeah. it um but as you mentioned not there's no perfect uh, sort of a career kind of thing my question to you would be that as, given that research was not something you started out thinking that this is what i want to do when you did start doing research what was something that you found was more challenging than you mm. thought it would be so i think the, the the biggest challenge in in research is publishing your research um at least so 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 there are two parts to it one is you do the research and then but you have to you know if you want to have a career in research you have to get your research published in the in the top top outlets right and very few people outside of academia oftentimes appreciate you know how challenging this is um in most of the top journals that people you know for instance professors at the indian school of business institutions like isb and right. the top top universities in the us you know have to publish in the acceptance rates are less than 5% um, and and that's it's less than 5% on average which means that you know um, it may be that if you are sitting in india you know doing work on 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 india you know mm-hmm. it may the acceptance rates are possibly even lower right um what that what does that tell you actually that if even if let's say you take the average if you write 20 papers you're going to get one in one one in and in the course of you know in order to be get you know to be tenured you know mm-hmm. tenured is basically once you once you're tenured you're like a partner in the you know in the school uh, it's equivalent of becoming a partner um so you have to have four or five top publications in the space of 6 or 7 years you mm-hmm. know um so um, so that's the part that is actually very challenging in fact this is the way i have always put it right from this if you start plucking from the time when you start your phd typically for instance so i i was fortunate enough to complete my phd in 4 years but you know on average during my time it used to take 5 years to finish a phd mm-hmm. um another you know 6 7 years basically for tenure so it's about 12 13 years 12 mm-hmm. 13 years multiplied by 365 so about 4000 days if in 4000 days you have five good days right which is th- what are those five good do- good days those five good days are when you've gotten an email from the editor of a top journal saying your paper has been accepted right so five out of 4000 days if you actually have five good days your career is made right. you know wh- what that what that implies then is that you know le- all basically 3995 yeah. out of 4000 days either you're failing or you're working towards success um i think the 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 temperament that it actually requires is by far the biggest challenge um this profession is not for the meek hearted um because you have to take you know you have to be able to take failure you also cannot be someone who actually can take yourself very seriously okay. uh, because you know i mean you are encountering failure time and again right. sometimes you know for instance you i mean it, this has happened with my phd dissertation where um you know you work on your dissertation for close to 2 and 1/2 3 years it's your it's your first baby in some right. sense 
and you know think about it actually maybe those who are you know parents if your if your dissertation or paper is like a baby yeah. and you send that baby and you say a baby basically looks very ugly you know <laughs> yeah. um and um i know as so you have to then start saying no 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 this is basically you have to say it's not personal it is basically not my baby right. it is it is an issue that i'm working on so you actually have to depart the person from the issue right. that the criticism is of that particular idea of that paper not about you right um, most people don't have the temperament to be able to take criticism period you know um, mm. but but being able to take repeated criticism right. you know is something i think that requires temperament um, right. it, it 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 very few people will sort of i guess mention this but it really involves taking yourself less seriously accepting mm-hmm. your that you are not perfect you're not god you know right. you uh, but at the same time then being at it um, so the you know at the university of chicago what was what was mentioned was that you know in a seminar everybody gets killed right. uh, but you know after getting killed do you have the ability to get up and and and, and walk again mm-hmm. it is a person it is a person who actually you know gets killed again and again and yet gets up and then walks again like the proverbial spider you know right. uh those are the ones that end up then becoming successful academics so um that it's it's far more of uh, temperament because at this at the level and again this is something which i have to i should explain you know um again outside of academia people don't you know know these these proportions as much so i'll i'll mention two sets of you know numbers um so first you know in, in a in a top phd program you know any any of the top 5 6 schools um you know and and the best programs are in the us um the there are about for instance easily some 1500 to 2000 applications mm-hmm. that that will come in and each one, and nobody applies for a phd saying ha you know aha chalo check kar leta hu yaar you know man yeah. no, no non serious applicant really applies right. because there's a lot of effort involved in it and um, most phd programs basically take in five people okay. out of you know so out, out of 1500 to mm-hmm. to to 2000 so which means you can actually you know you can see clearly that the acceptance rates again you're working with 0.1% you know so so the success rates are extremely low mm-hmm. so that's one um you know uh, second if you look at in terms of the um you know t- take the take take tenure um if even if you take the top 50 schools in the in the world um in in any let's say finance for instance you know on, on average they make there will be 10 tenured professors on average in these 50 business schools on average some may have more some may have the bigger schools will have right. more but on average i think 10 is a very reasonable number to take to take so in other words across the world you actually have sort of in the top you know yeah. ones that really you know people covet mm-hmm. um there are 500 maybe you know if 500 to 700 tenured professors in the in, in the, the ones that are coveted um if you take the equivalent of that being a partner in a in a goldman sachs or a jp morgan or a Morgan Stanley, those are coveted, you know, yes. or or a Merrill Lynch, Credit Suisse, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, just the you know uh, New York office of of just J P Morgan, and I know this because I've worked for it, right. you know, would have easily some you know thousand partners. Um, so you know, and when you collect across all the um, you know all 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 the investment banks, yeah. there might be easily across the world there may be ten thousand partners. Yeah. So you know, I mean, and as, as I said earlier. being a tenured professor is like being a partner right. and the the op, op, if you don't become a professor from a phd you could go and actually work in investment yes. banking etc so look at the proportions again you actually see how difficult it is right. to be a tenured professor you know um, and if you can do the similar for a strategy professor you can actually then similarly count you know the the the, the top consulting firms partners there and you'll see similar pro- proportions again um, so you know it, which which 
um, for oftentimes these kind of numbers are not you know put out right. to really drive home how difficult it is. Okay. So um, I think you know being a tenured professor in a top business school yeah. is I think you know uh, is is an order of magnitude you know tougher than being being a partner you know in 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 a, in a top bulge bracket investment banking firm or a top top consulting firm um so that's that is really the challenge um and so to summarize therefore it's you know uh, this getting into a top phd program the acceptance rates are less than 0.1 percent yeah. um and then after that you basically for over for 12 to 13 years you basically are looking at five good days you know okay. um you know over about 4000 days so mm -hmm. that's again you know percentages that are less than you know point you know point one point oh five percent um right. and that's what then leads to actually you know being a partner or a tenure professor you know is is order of magnitude higher than being a partner in you know in a in the in the, in the corporate sector so i think that is the most difficult part of actually being a successful academic right. you know in a, in a research driven business school or is i think what is really hard uh, so in some sense there is no free lunch therefore right uh, because if you have the if you have the you know the pleasure of deciding what you want to do yourself you know for instance even the dean cannot come and tell you why you know why are you working on what you're working or why are you walking the cricket match watching the cricket match you know professor can tell you go dean go you take a walk you know you have no business telling me what i should be doing you know doing or when i should be working yeah. so those are the benefits Correct. but the cost is that it is so challenging you yes. know so there is no freelance therefore uh, uh, you know you have to pay those uh, it's so the, the odds are so skewed it to be if you have to have the enjoyment the pleasure of basically do, doing work that you enjoy of doing deep work you know um, then that's the price you pay it's a, it's a very incredibly difficult profession to be in right and especially as you were mentioning that doing research in a business school where you have an outlook towards a business as well as a professor how do you balance your time in terms of developing course material taking classes doing your own research what what is the way that you go about it so you know uh, the honest answer is that um, for me research takes up the maximum amount of time mm -hmm. um, so the so the development and updation of material right. you know the development of material initially actually takes a lot of time and effort okay. uh, because you have to sort of put in that fixed cost of you know learning not only you know knowing the material in the course but also learning how to teach it Okay. You know, not everybody who understands it actually can necessarily teach right. it. You know, the the way in which you sort of, you know, what what example will you bring at a particular you know point? How do you present that example? These are all the pedagogical aspects that you have to actually master. Right. But once you mastered it, sort of, you know, in the first couple of years, right. then that stays with you in some okay. sense. The pedagogical skills. Mm -hmm. What you need to update, and you do get, you know, you you as you as you grow more experienced. You to refine your you know your your pedagogical skills a little bit more, mm -hmm. but bulk of almost seven. I mean, somebody who's a Who's a, who's, a, who's a good teacher would have mastered the pedagogical skills, let's say 70 to 80 percent of it in, in his first year. Yeah. Uh, what you need to do though then is to make sure, make sure that the material remains current. Mm -hmm. And the way the, the, that's where actually research helps a lot because you know you read the cutting edge uh, research and when you find something that is actually relevant for the, for the particular course that you're teaching, you bring that in into the you know um, so in some sense that happens very organically because you are in order to be you know research active you have to actually know the literature so you have to continually you know keep reading the yeah. reading you know uh, so I'll put that 
in you know being being uh, being being sort of abreast of the literature is part of research yes but that feeds into into teaching and that is why you see you know in schools like isb the material continues to be correct correct in contrast you know i mean some of the the less research oriented uh, schools i mean for, take, take my alma mater you know i i know of you know stuff that i was taught which was basically the, you know i'll give a particular example uh, i was taught this class in international finance um, you know and and i took this class in international finance in 1998 okay. um the purse so at the, in 1998 the rupee to dollar exchange rate if i remember right was like 35 okay. approximately uh the professor who was teaching us had handwritten slides that has that had 6 rupees to the dollar okay which means that he had not changed the slides from the time when the rupee was 6 to the dollar okay. now of course the professor used to then mention that oh for pedagogical reasons it does not matter whether it's 6 to the dollar or 36 to the dollar okay. and i grant that you know professor that yeah. but the bigger you know concern is that the material has not been updated right. since the time when the rupee was 6 to the dollar that will not happen at a place like isb right. you know because we i mean we basically will be ashamed of 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 bringing material like that because you know and and in some sense we also i mean when you're familiar with the literature when you know what some of some of the changing you know th- change in thinking you generally want to bring it to the to the, to the classroom right. as well so it, it is in some sense the research that feeds into into teaching so th- this background is you know important to understand therefore the split of time mm-hmm. so once you've done the 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 first part of really putting in a fixed cost of of of, of a course yeah. developing the material the variable cost of updating that you know material etc et yeah. keeps happening almost organically you know because of research so the maximum time is taken up in research because you know it, it, it's it's I, i i think every every successful you know academic will basically say research is like 100 times harder than teaching um you know even i've given you the proportion yeah. etc so um it, not not to brag but you know i mean the course that i'm i mean i you can wake me up in my sleep and i basically will you know go and deliver without any material also i can deliver a two hour lecture without having any slides anything mm-hmm. uh you know but you know tell me to do basically saying oh you know get up get up from sleep and write a paper for the journal of finance and so you know get it accepted <laughs> no way is it happening <laughs> right. um so not not to minimize you know the so i actually am very passionate about my teaching mm-hmm. but it doesn't require as much effort for it you know right. as 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 research does right. um because research is far more ambiguous far far harder to publish you know mm-hmm. given what i just spoke about yeah. um and um so let, let me let me acknowledge though actually it's uh, compared to teaching undergrads for instance yeah. you know i when i was at emory i've taught undergrads okay. teaching you know mba is actually far far harder uh because they challenge you really okay. um i mean i'll 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 mention this particular instance this was so i moved to isb in 2009 mm-hmm. um i used to look you know even younger then um and uh, so the in fact when i walked in I, they didn't know and i was actually taken to be a student okay um so i start teaching this is the first first section of my first class mm-hmm. uh there was somebody who was actually who had been a partner at arthur anderson okay and had was part at that time there was no pgp max and none of that right, right. so he basically was part of the pgp so you know he would he would have been 40 years plus at that time he was in the class after half an hour you know stops me and basically he just sort of bangs the desk okay. and says you know prof i don't agree with the thing of what you're saying you know uh, clearly looks like you don't have much experience oh. um, you know i have spent um, 20 years working for arthur anderson okay. you know i don't agree with the thing of what you know 
and then he also go and sort of to, to sort of like as the icing on the cake. He says, if we swap roles, you come and sit where I am, and you know I go where you are. I think the things might be better. Oh, um, so so th this is now uh, I of course you know you 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 basically uh, do get taken aback you yeah. know when one side. Uh, but the key, key, is, key thing is to not show it on your face. Yeah. You know, whatever happens, happens inside. Mm -hmm. So I remember actually, you know, sort of collected my wits, went to the went to the board, um, and then drew a X Y chart with some scatter plots, yeah. uh, a, a line of fit, and then put an outlier. Okay. Uh, but before that, what I did is I basically just asked remaining other students, saying, you know, tell me your experiences. Does each one of your experience match with what he's saying okay. with industry? There were a few people whose basically experiences did not match his. Okay. And then, you know, and they says, look, you know, you basically have heard other people. So your experience could very well be the outlier. Okay. What I'm actually explaining you, mm -hmm. what I'm teaching you is essentially what research has shown as a phenomenon that happens, you know, more often than not. So, you know, that's just an illustration of the difficulty of, you know, mm -hmm. teaching. The reason I'm bringing this anecdote is just to say that it's not, I'm not minimizing the you know the, the difficulty aspect. the teaching aspect mm -hmm. but once you have mastered that that part yeah. by putting in the fixed cost in the first couple of years i think you are you know you do well i here i must mention i got some very good advice when i joined joined emory as a as, a, as an assistant professor so i was taken to lunch by you know a professor who was very popular she you know she was a lady who used to won, you know win the best teacher awards there okay. best, best professor awards and she gave me a piece of advice she said actually she said, Subhu, um, I would suggest that till you start your teaching, the first, I mean, if I remember this was, I think she took me in September and my teaching was starting in January. She said, you forget your dissertation, forget your research. The next three months, you just prepare for your teaching. Okay. Uh, but you'll thank me later because these three months, you will, whatever the effort that you put in, yeah. you can actually reap the rewards for this rest of your, Absolutely. you know, because she said, if you do your, if your first class goes well, then students will basically come back and take, you know, you may, you will not have to you know, do, teach a new class. You will have to, you will get, you will develop confidence. Everything will, so you just over invest in your first, first for, and, and, and I did that and I actually am reaping the rewards for it. Oh, that, that's really wonderful to hear. So one of the things that you mentioned was that it's the research that feeds into your teaching and therefore being uh, at the very edge of cutting research is something that's uh, necessary. So, uh, what are some of the ways that you continue to self-educate or keep yourself aware of what's happening in the world? So, a very good question. Um, so, I'll, I'll put this in two dimensions, right? Um, you know, I think becoming successful um, is growing. To me, the first thing is growing as a human being. Okay. And that from there, following up, growing as a professional. Uh, many people only focus on growing as a professional, mm -hmm. don't focus on growing as a human being. Uh, but in my experience, what I found is, you know, growing as a human being or growth, you know, self-growth as a human being actually, you know, generates far, far more rewards for career, you know, for as a professional. Okay. I'll give you some examples from the time, the time when I was a CEA. Um, you know, before I became the CEA, I had the maximum, the biggest team I would have managed would have been of maximum four or five people okay. and and here I was you know um, asked to manage a team close to a thousand people um, and you you know and the CEA is the head of the Indian Economic Service Carter uh, so you are you know uh, for, for me a lot of things that actually uh, myself growth as an individual you know for instance being very very calm under pressure you know the deadlines of an economic survey approach 
um but these are things that you know this is growth as an individual um having the you know the the, the confidence that yes you know whatever the 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 situation you know i i can remain in control uh not getting stressed um i think uh, the ability to handle stress is a very important and you know i i, I don't know how many people actually will be able to appreciate by putting themselves in my shoes mm-hmm. but you know i had to handle the economy during a once in a century pandemic um and and i had to you know uh, i was entrusted with the responsibility of going and ha- handling the media after the 24% gdp decline you know uh, single handedly went and handled the media you know for, yeah. so uh, and a, a you know very very hostile media definitely um for instance some of you who might have actually seen you know uh, the the interview that rahul kamal did recently in davos mm-hmm. you know I, i'm sure you you're referring you know you know the yeah. interview that i you know um i had to every interview that i had to do was actually or was that time stand you know in terms mm-hmm. of the if, because if, as soon as i took over it was a you know the economy was slowing down yes. you know for for nothing that i had done you know Absolutely. because that was what i was handed out because in in any you know macro economy steps that are taken a couple of years back is basically what shows up as outcomes and i you know this is something that most most people believe that a ca's legacy is seen by the growth that happens 2 3 years or 4 years you know 5 years basically after he or she has left mm-hmm. because of measures that he has put in so that's what i was handed over and so in the entire 3 years i actually you know handled a very hostile media uh, also you know for reasons which are basically the a lot of the media is also you know um, has their ide- ideological persuasion is often times not necessarily you know with the government and that also meant additional hostility yeah. uh, but it's not the it's not you know the professional skills that i acquired as much as you know my growth as an individual okay. um I, you know my my and and, and uh, especially the spiritual growth that you know i had focused on since you know my 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 mid 20s okay. um, is what really helped in in being able to for instance i'll give you examples there are you know i mean this this was after i was doing the uh interviews after the you know 24% gdp decline i was in ndtv um and the the you know after the first comment saying you know under your watch there's been a historical you know decline 24% how do you respond to that so i respond to it i give answer based on data and then actually the question you know in national media you know if you can go and check the videos out um is ca i mean something i'm somewhat sort of uh, um uh, giving the summary of the question which is that uh, ca do you know so you just talked about a v-shaped recovery do you know there are memes floating around in social media you know associating you with every other letter in the english alphabet except the v how do you respond to that mm-hmm. uh you know that that's a kind of and this is uh, on it's an ad hominem attack on national television right. um so you know it, it, at that time it is basically your growth as an individual is what really helps yeah, you to respond awesome. to things like these um uh, and i responded by basically saying you know um the i look xyz you know um i'm not going to take the name of the of the host here but um you just heard me you know talk about the prospects for the economy uh, using data and evidence um i've always you know spoken based on data and evidence you know i don't peddle opinion nor do i respond to opinion um you know now these these are these you have to actually come on the fly yeah. while keeping a body language that actually is you know is calm that you are in control you do feel so so it actually is important to f- not feel that much inside i think that is the key in in the, so i i love this there was an ad you know it was a very you know very but it's i find it very very pertinent which is in salman khan you know going in a in mumbai local train and somebody for a baniyan says maine dhakka diya to tune dhakka kyon liya 
It's another soul that actually was willing to support me at that point in time, and you know, there were, if you go and check, for instance, on you know, on 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 LinkedIn and mm-hmm. or or on some of the on YouTube, some of the interviews, people, yes, they were saying when I was saying we shared recovery, many people didn't believe, you know. The, so my my way of thinking at that point in time was, you know, I am going to go and say what I believe in. Okay. You know, it, it does not matter whether they basically thousand people supporting me, a million supporting people supporting me, or zero people supporting me. I will say what is basically you know um, what what I believe in. Mm-hmm. If zero people support me, I'll be ridiculed. Yeah. Um, if if uh, a million people support me, I'll be praised. Correct. But both of those are external. Okay. The you know what is internal to me is basically I say what I believe in. Whether I'm ridiculed or whether I'm actually praised. is not you know it's not internal to me it is external it is basically you know in some sense trying to live you know endeavoring to live uh, what uh, you know uh, shri krishna advocates in the bhagavad gita chapter 2 you know 2 shloka 47 karmanyavadi karaste mafaleshu kadachana ma karma phala hetur buhu mate sangosva karmani uh, which is you have your right only on the action that you can perform you have absolutely no right over the fruit the the fruit of ridicule all the fruit of you know of praise those are but fruits right. um, you know and those are those are results those are outcomes you know i have only control over you know going and basically saying i will only say what i believe in yeah. i will not go and you know parrot what what people expect me or want me to say right. you know no that's that is what is in my control now of course you know i i mean i'm glad that i had the courage of conviction to go and say what i believed in at a very tough time right uh, but i think these are all examples of growth as individuals that really help in i think good leaders you know uh, are good human beings um, and and good professionals actually need to be good human beings because when you are when you are seen as a good human being i think people respect you right. uh, and and with respect it is easier to earn trust and thereby you know uh, getting people to actually uh, sort of uh, uh, work towards your cause as well right so uh, in your role as the chief chief economic advisor uh, you had a sort of top view of what was happening in the country so in your opinion what do you think is the biggest challenge that the industry is facing right now so i think there are you know i wouldn't uh, call it a challenge at this point in time you know but i must um, mention for the benefit of the uh, listeners mm-hmm. that um, in a global environment where you know uh, the all the advanced economies are going to be in a recession yeah and this recession means negative growth yes uh, along with inflation that is two and a half to four times the historical average mm-hmm. india is going to grow at 7% uh, with an inflation that is going to be 70% of its historical average so just think about how much of a positive outlier we are yeah um, you know global economy you know have possibly registering zero growth or negative growth they will grow at 7% uh, global economy you know and, and and especially advanced economies having inflation of between 2 and a half to 4 times right. the historical average and we will be 70 per 0.7 so you know we are the outliers on both you know on on um, you know on growth and in, and inflation and this is because of the kind of policies that we put in you know during the uh, 
during during the uh, you know the the covid times um, and i think a lot of credit has to go to the you know the honorable prime minister for you know advice given does not often times get get you know, implemented um, but in this instance actually you know credit has to go to him for 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 taking into account you know uh, advice and implementing them um, and that if india is such an outlier at this point in time it is because of the advice that has that that was implemented so that, the reason i'm i'm bringing this up is because i think in an environment like this when india is such a positive outlier we should be talking about opportunities um, you know the opportunities there are really for you know the um, you know uh, for for the private sector to really pitch fork or sort of leapfrog you know on on leapfrog on 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 what you know the, the infrastructure that is being created by the by the government right. you know whether it's government infrastructure on the on the physical side um, or on the digital side for instance take the digital economy uh, one of the key you know opportunities i think in india is is credit creation um you know in india uh, only one in seven individuals has a loan from the formal banking sector one in seven individuals just imagine um you know um our 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 credit to gdp ratio is 58% um you know 58 or maybe about 60% mm-hmm. this was the you know the credit to gdp ratio that oecd economies had 60 years back okay. 60 years back you know mm-hmm. in other words on credit we are actually 60 years behind the you know advanced economy so with the digitization now for instance you know if let's say even you know the, the fruit seller here in indranagar um you know who sells bananas mm-hmm. even he can be given credit now why because we all basically go and buy bananas from him by by paying with paytm or with or with google pay right. so he can actually show the money trail you know yeah. the money that he's gotten yes, and you know uh, before the digital digital you know payments were there he couldn't go and convince the banks and say no that look i actually get i earn 30000 rupees per month you know he can actually show the money trail and therefore he can get credit so i think by far the biggest opportunity that there is is for hitherto sections that have not gotten credit and as i said six out of seven individuals you know in the population have actually not gotten credit so you know use the digital economy to actually take credit to these six to seven six out of seven individuals and many of these these folks are in the rural areas you know if you for instance plot the uh credit you know credit that has been given to urban areas and rural yeah. areas and and i'm talking about you know the last 30 year period if you plot that um the credit given to the you know to the urban areas looks like a a 45 degree line or th- maybe yeah. 30 to 45 degree line the credit given to rural areas looks like a 2 degree line okay um you know so so th- so look at the slopes there, yeah. therefore and and there is enormous opportunity in the rural areas so a lot of these six out of seven individuals that i spoke yeah. about who actually don't have credit are in the rural areas and our banks actually using the the digital transactions they need to now what they need to do is actually really embrace technology yeah. you know um, and i and i dare dare say we need to bring of bring far more you know uh, engineer mbas into 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 banking you know indian banking is infested with chartered accountant mbas yeah. um, and uh, i'm sorry to say but often times chartered accountants don't understand the power of technology as much or are maybe not trusting of of technology as much um, but i think we need to get far more engineer mbas who understand the power of technology to be able to go and you to really utilize this opportunity you know i think uh, to me that is the biggest opportunity credit creation okay. because the kind of you know if people who are really 
you know deserving of credit if they get they will you know implemented in good projects output will go up gdp growth i think huge opportunity right um, and and this opportunity i will actually end by giving you a you know a cross country comparison um, you know uh, if you take take south korea and india yeah um, south korea got its independence on the same date as we did yeah. 15th of august 1947 uh, and if you track credit creation in these two countries over the last 60 years 1960 to 2020 in in 1960 you know our private credit to gdp ratio was 8% okay. south korea's private credit to gdp ratio was about 6% okay. in other words you know you know south korea was 30% behind yeah. us yeah. Uh, in 2020 if you look at the same numbers you know uh, south korea's private credit to gdp ratio is um, 180% and we are at we are at 58% Yeah. So you know, this and gap. now what? Now this is the gap on credit. Mm -hmm. What is the what has that done to the economy? It has basically led to enormous you know growth in exports, enormous growth in the manufacturing sector because both of these sectors you know are really they they're hungry for credit. Mm -hmm. They don't grow without credit. You know, um, because if you have to set up a factory, you need you, you need, need yeah. you know uh, credit, and if you have to do export, you actually need financing because you know typically you send the export item actually by then money comes back six months maybe. So you need lots of working capital um, and trade credit, international trade credit, uh, and this is what is basically done by the by 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 you know by credit, right? Um, so in some sense, I have no hesitation in saying, if for instance this was reversed, if our Indian the Indian banking sector had performed like the that like the Sorry. Korean banking sector, it might have been the case possibly that we might be you know uh, the 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 South Koreans might have been buying geo phones. instead of indians buying samsung phones um or it may be the case that you know south korea might actually have been buy, buying let's say you know um, maybe the vivekananda car uh, rather than us us buying the daewoo's um, okay. so that that is what it would have been you know and so that's a missed opportunity right. but it also tells us basically at least we missed missed the opportunity in the last 60 years at least let's not miss it in the no. next 30 years yeah, you know uh, so that to me that is by far the biggest opportunity that there is so you know i i i i must emphasize again actually you know uh, given this the sort of the opportunities that are beckoning india mm -hmm. we need to get out of this mindset of always thinking about challenges okay. you know look at opportunity it's a mindset there can never be an opportunity without some challenge mm -hmm. but do you focus on are you you remain pessimistic and basically take a step back looking at the challenge or you take a step forward actually looking at the opportunity and say i will handle the challenge that comes with it or saying that you know i basically will take I'll not take it up because, despite the opportunity, because I'm afraid of the challenge. It's a mindset, um, and I think Indians and India needs to have that mindset of saying, "Okay, you know, the challenge will come with the opportunity, but I'll look at the opportunity and take it." Right. How would a person know if they're cut out for research or not? Ah, uh, okay. So I, I think it, it, the answer is partly in what I what I already mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you have to enjoy deep thinking. Right. That's that's a that's a sine qua non. Um, you know um if you don't enjoy deep thinking then you know research is um is is not for you um at the same time you have to have the temperament to, to be able to take failures and repeated failures right. you know before you before you you know encounter success as i said it and i'll say it again you know 5 days out of 4000 days five good days right. out of 4000 days actually makes a makes a research career you know at least in business you know right. um, um the numbers may be a little different but overall i think the the, the numbers remain very similar yeah. you know so i think it, it requires very very strong temperament um uh, that's the that's i i think you know communication skills especially if you want to be in business right. are equally important uh, being able to write really well 
being able to speak very well uh, you know i think those are those are those are also very very important uh, because you know eventually every researcher is also an author right and so you have to be able to write well and speak well right so so, uh, so my question was what is your philosophy and what is it that drives you to keep going as i said earlier i think my you know um my my key uh, principle that i actually you know um work by is i i don't feel happy if i'm just doing things for myself mm-hmm. so let me be you know i think what one thing you learn when you start uh, understanding yourself is that each one of us is eventually is a, is a self interested selfish individual mm-hmm. but there are there are lower levels of selfishness and there are elevated levels of selfishness okay. um you know the elevated level of selfishness is when doing something for somebody else you know gives you gratification yeah. that is an elevated level of selfishness you are still doing for yourself because you're doing it for your own gratification mm-hmm. but you know compared to someone basically who's in whose utility function utility function is only comprised of i me myself you know the bhajan is basically i me myself i me myself i me myself right. you know that is i think is a basal level of self interestedness basal level of selfish you know selfishness right. compared to that an elevated level of selfishness elevated level of self centeredness is where you actually derive satisfaction from doing things for others um, right. you know to to me that philosophy that that dhruv tara or the pole star yeah. that actually has driven me is that from a very young age i i would say even when i was you know uh, 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 when i was in my first year of 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 undergrad i i was able to identify very well that you know living a life of you know where my utility comes from i be myself Isn't will not will make me just a you know a a very very bitter person mm-hmm. um very cynical very bitter um that i would be a happy peaceful person only if i actually did things for others um and i think i have been i was maybe um um fortunate enough to actually identify that eventually we all do things for happiness and in fact in some sense provocatively i say you know um if you're so smart but you're not happy what's the That's point right. of that smartness you know just take that smartness and put it in a in a trash can um you know eventually we all do things for happiness Absolutely. so the smartness has to really help towards becoming happy and i think in in this process knowing yourself yeah. knowing what gives you happiness yeah. i think is a very critical element Absolutely. um there may be i, I think you know uh, let me be there may be people who may actually be very happy may you know with whatever utility function but i think understanding yourself you know is very important what gives you happiness is very important right fair enough so with that we come to the end of the uh, knowledge nugget segment and we move to the quick rapid fire mm-hmm. so we have uh, five questions here so uh, the first question what is one thing that you wish your younger self knew about your current profession uh <laughs> that's a tough one <laughs> um you ask me for fast answers i'm actually being slow <laughs> but um i think the one uh, i i would say the importance of you know understanding human psychology okay um you know i i was far more i mean even now there are some sometimes actually i'm very blunt okay um i think if i were uh, to sort of advise given advice to my younger self would be to be less blunt okay fair enough so uh, given that you've reached a place where there are a lot of people who look up to you um, who is someone that you look up to in your industry so i actually you know at this stage i look up to good human beings mm-hmm. uh, that's the i there was a stage where i used to look up to 
more successful you know uh, professionals yeah. but today actually you know irrespective of the success or not i genuinely uh, there, there are some nondescript people you know who 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 are very good human beings and and i really look up to them all right um if you weren't uh, doing what you're doing now what industry do you think you might have been <laughs> um i might have been in the you know uh, in in the corporate world mm-hmm. um i think 99% of those who go to the you know do an mba actually work in the corporate world sure. i might have i i i think i can i can say with sure, absolute surety i wouldn't have been happy okay um i i'd have possibly you know um in uh, in you know maybe made more money mm-hmm. but i wouldn't have been happier okay. um so uh, that that, that maybe the other other profession that i would have been very happy actually is being a priest okay um you know i love um in sanskrit um and being a being a being a sanskrit scholar you know is, mm-hmm. and vedantic scholar is yeah. something that i would have really loved to be That's um, interesting yeah um i mean somehow that that it it never went that way mm-hmm. but uh, uh if, if maybe if i were born in a different family Maybe. you know i i i and that's why i was given that but i would have been very very happy being that too interesting um and what is something that you are currently like reading or do you have any book that you would like to recommend to any audience yeah there are actually so i i i love reading you know um non fiction okay um so right now i'm actually reading this book atomic habits okay um and i find that uh, that book you know in fact i'm able to relate to mm-hmm. so there are for instance in there are good habits that i have developed okay and and there are good habits i'm struggling to develop right um so when i when i compare across those where you know uh, where i have developed versus those that are not developed mm-hmm. i think what the book seems to talk about actually i find it makes a lot of sense okay. um in my own you know yeah. um so for instance if i i mean if i did not have some positive experience of actually having mm-hmm. developed good habits maybe i might have mistrusted what is you know whether it really works but uh, being able to see my own struggles yeah. with with you know habits that i have not been able to develop and yet some successes mm-hmm. in ones that i have been able to develop i actually am able to relate with what the book says i think so i i find that a very powerful book um another you know book that i i highly recommend is is talent is overrated um okay. you know i i read that book uh, some time back um and i think that is something which uh, it's a very Uh, but above all i think the book that i i really enjoy reading the most and is you know is the bhagavad gita okay. um you know at any point in time i mean it's not as if i go go back to it every you know mm-hmm. um, every time but it, it, wherever i open whichever page i open there is something relevant for for the mental space in which or the spiritual space i am in which i am at that point in time okay. i think which is something you know quite uh profound about the i find that extremely practical wisdom you know for instance i can you know um, just to give you a sense if for instance i had not tried to imbibe some of the you know learnings from the bhagavad gita i would have been a complete nervous wreck as a ca you know um if 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 i if i had just focused on outcomes the outcome of am i being you know praised am i being criticized you know i would have i would have possibly tried to be a you know to please the crowd or you know and maybe i would have therefore not mustered the courage to do the right thing um and you know uh, then 
maybe because i actually was able to suggest the right thing you know outcomes ended up possibly being being you know uh, being being good obviously there's a factor of luck you know there's no question about it um but i think you know i would have been very very you know um sort of uh, stressed yeah. for, for for instance i have absolutely no hesitation in saying i think you know many others you know who that who were uh, in 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 uh, who, who who occupied this office i think without this particular uh, element um would have been would have gotten extremely stressed you know handling uh, a once in a century pandemic um, i think that part is is what um, i i would say is 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 really important and that the bhagavad gita has taught me um it's the most practical and at the same time the most profound book one thing that it has taught me is for instance a lot of people you know talk about living life king size mm-hmm. as you know having the the car of your pick a bentley or a merc or a you know benz or whatever um or having a you know a mansion or this or that right. you know those are all external things mm-hmm. actually living life king size is really about can you be bindas you know <laughs> um yeah, I, i mean irrespective of the situation irrespective of the people you know can you be happy can you be chilled cool you know right. um, i think your own man you know not getting two hoots about you know what what basically walk the world you know um, without a care yeah. i think that is basically what living life king size is and that you know uh, a, a book like the bhagavad gita teaches you how to okay. um, and so, so it is my favorite all right and the last question for today is um, what is one question that you wish i had asked you today one question that i would have you know you could have asked me is how to make good career choices okay um and uh, if you had asked me that what i would have actually mentioned is you know two concepts okay. um one is of you know if you draw a 2 by 2 matrix mm-hmm. with uh, you know with with uh, um one one dimension being you know do you enjoy what you're doing yes no and uh, second dimension being are you good at what you're doing mm-hmm. you know um, yes no yeah. um, now so there are four cells here in this 2 by 2 yeah. matrix if you are in that in that cell where you know where you enjoy what you're doing and you are also good at what you're doing you've hit gold dust you know i think there is you just basically continue that you know just um, but in many in many cases the 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 choice is between you know the sort of the the you know the 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 um uh, southwest corner and the northeast corner mm-hmm. um which is choosing between something which you are you know good at but you don't enjoy as you know enjoy as much versus something that you you know you enjoy but you're not as good at possibly mm-hmm. and now if i'm i'm leaving out the fourth cell which is if you don't enjoy it and you're not good at it you know you know make a big exit you know just run run mm-hmm. from there Uh, that's obvious so i think uh, no point in talking about that between these two mm-hmm. i would actually recommend you know even if you don't you are not good at something at this point in time you know if you enjoy it you should basically go for that mm-hmm. because and that's where i'll bring in bring the second concept in of the of the virtuous cycle versus the vicious cycle okay. which is if you enjoy what you're doing then you know effort doesn't seem like effort mm-hmm. you know you have fun Right. um and if you have if if you have fun you know uh you are willing to put in the hard yards and i think 
um, anybody who's been successful um, and and is absolutely honest will say that the success did not come about without hard work. So hard work, hard work is basically absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. But when you have when you're having fun, you know it's easier to to, to put in the hard yards. Um, and when you put in the hard yards, you actually do get the rewards. You you become you become good at it. You get you know uh, you you get internal you know validation, internal satisfaction. Right. And I think that then sort of motivates you to 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 work harder. And you you're on the virtuous loop. But it the same loop works exactly the opposite. You know, I don't need to explain. But I think, uh, and I kept, I, I, I sort of like thinking about this virtuous loop and the vicious loop as you know, one point zero one to the power seventy is uh, is is two, okay. and zero point nine nine to the power seventy is half. Yeah. Um, so when you are on the virtuous loop, you know, in seventy weeks you can be doubly as good, mm -hmm. uh, or in seventy months. Right. Um, you know, or even in seventy years. <laughs> um, uh, but but if you are in the vicious loop, then you will be half as good. As well. um, and so, in other words, you know, look at ability from a not from a fixed mindset, from a but from a growth mindset. In contrast, you know, liking or enjoying something is generally a little bit more of sort of a fixed thing. Okay. You know, you, you either like it or you don't like it. In contrast, ability can be acquired. So uh, therefore, I would say is it's really what you enjoy that should be the first um, you know uh, 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 determinant of careers. And and finally, I'd actually I think um, add to this that I both career choice and choice of a spouse is really about knowing oneself very well. It's not as much about finding. So it's not as much about finding the right career. Mm -hmm. As it is first understanding yourself, okay. what do you enjoy, you know, is what basically then you go, it's, you know, not put the cart the other way around, where if you understand what you enjoy, you will go and pick the right career. Similarly, if you understand who you are, you will go and, you know, pick the right person as your spouse as well. Um, so both of these, I think, are, so in other words, bottom line, spiritual growth. Absolutely. Thank you so much, <laughs> Professor, for this discussion. It was absolutely insightful and uh, I can't wait to release it. Thank you so much.